Good morning, friends, and welcome to Village Park Online. It's so good to see you again today. Grab your Bible, grab some coffee, gather your family around the device. We're going to dive into the Word of God. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5. I've got some pretty exciting news today. My wife and I are going to be celebrating our 20th anniversary this Wednesday, and so we're pretty stoked about that. And maybe you could show us some anniversary love there in the comments. Maybe give us a little, you know, care or squeeze or whatever. But yeah, 20 years, and, and that's right. She's put up with me. For 20 years and a few years ago we were uh, we took a trip to Colorado to celebrate our anniversary and we're going back there uh, to celebrate again and it made me think about our last trip as we've been planning for it we were driving up to Denver and on the way back to to the airport and we went through Breckenridge we had a day to just kind of uh, spend there in the town and right in the main street of Breckenridge there's all these shops and you could just you know park your car and walk down the street and you can find all different kind of shops but as you're going along you're not going to visit all of them so what you do is you just kind of look in the windows right you look and see what's in the window display and then you look maybe past the window display to see what kind of stuff is inside to determine whether or not uh, you want to go into that that store and have you ever wished that you could do that with people like maybe husbands uh, you could maybe look into the mind of your wife and find out why she's mad at you or uh, because of something that you did in, in her dream. I mean, have you ever had that experience? You know, your wife dreams something and she stays mad at you because of something that she dreamed and you're like, I, I don't know how I could be held responsible for that. Or maybe wives, you would want to get into the mind of your husband when you ask him, hey, what are you thinking about? And he says nothing. Have you ever wanted to get into the into your husband's mind and figure out what he really means when he says nothing? And let me let, me let you into a secret on that. If you just imagine a dark room with, with black walls and there literally is nothing inside, that's what it would look like if you had kind of a window into his mind. Because when we say we're thinking about nothing, that's truly what we're doing. But as, as we get into 1 Peter chapter 5 today, it, this is a really good passage because God kind of gives us a, a view into the window of the heart of a pastor. One of the cool things about doing what we do, and that is preaching through books of the Bible, is that you don't get to choose the topic. The text of the Bible chooses the topic for you. And so in 1 Peter chapter 5, the first part of this chapter is so really intensely personal for me. And in this passage, God is going to give us all a view of just kind of a look into the heart of a pastor. And so I have to tell you, this is kind of one of those messages where God has spoken to my heart and has convicted me this week. It's kind of one of those messages that I've, as I've prepped it, I thought about our church and just thought, this may be a sermon that God really speaks to me and you just happen to be here to listen in on, on the word that God speaks to my heart. But I think that when you see what God calls pastors to do and our responsibility for our church, I think you'll also see that there's some application for those of you that are a part of Village Park Church. So I want to just read the four verses that we're going to study today and then we'll kind of go back and dig deep in each verse. So let's look in chapter 5 of 1 Peter in verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. As I said a moment ago, this passage has really been speaking to my heart this week and challenging me in my leadership as an elder of the church. In verse 1, 
Peter addresses some specific people and he calls them elders. When you look in scripture, you'll find this word that's sometimes translated into English as elder, other times as bishop, other times as overseers, but they're used interchangeably. And these are men who have been placed by God and set aside in the church for special, a special office that we call a pastor or elder. So at Village Park, we are an elder-led congregation and we have multiple elders that serve in our congregation. And as Peter is writing to these elders and he takes a moment in this letter to these Christians who were exiles in the Roman Empire and he speaks specifically to this audience, I want you to see in verse 1 that Peter draws from a place of experience. He calls himself a fellow elder and an eyewitness of the sufferings of Jesus. I want to come back to that phrase, the sufferings of Jesus, later on. But, but Peter is writing not as someone who's writing about something that he doesn't have experience in. He appeals to these elders by telling them, I'm also one of you. And in verse 2, he gives the elders their responsibility as pastors and as overseers of the Lord's church. Notice what he writes in that verse. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Now I feel the, the weight of this scripture as a pastor. It's a tremendously weighty verse to me. Because that word shepherd that you see there, it means to tend as a shepherd would his flock. And a shepherd, when you think about that relationship that they have to the sheep that have been entrusted to their care, a shepherd feeds his flock. That's one of his primary jobs. A shepherd protects the flock from dangers from without. And also a shepherd oversees and lead, leads his flock. And all of those responsibility, responsibilities for the shepherd are vital for the sheep. But it's also a lifelong commitment of the shepherd. It, I remember as a kid watching a cartoon with Ralph and Sam and it was a, a sheepdog and a coyote. And every day they would come in and they would punch the time clock and they would say, good morning, Ralph. Good morning, Sam. And all day long, the coyote would, would try to take one of the sheep and steal it. And, and the sheepdog would always be there to stop it. And then at the end of the day, at five or six o'clock, they would take their, punch, their time card and they would punch out and see you tomorrow, Sam. See you tomorrow, Ralph. And it was, I, I love that cartoon as a kid because the, she, the sheepdog always won and always protected the sheep, never lost a sheep. But that's not the way that it is for a shepherd. That's not the way that it is for an elder or an overseer. There's not one moment of any day that you are not the shepherd of the flock. There is never, for at least me and as an elder, there's never a turning it off. Yeah, there are days that I may take off from some of the work that I'm doing and I may take a day to be with my family or do things that I enjoy, but there's never a moment of any day where I'm not a shepherd. There's never a moment where I can punch out of that responsibility and say, if something happens to someone while I'm with my family or while I'm off, then that's just someone else's responsibility because the shepherd's job is to tend to the flock, to shepherd his people. And so with that, there are some responsibilities that come. The first one is the shepherd has the responsibility to feed the flock of God. One of the primary roles of a shepherd is to lead the sheep to find pasture. You find this referenced throughout the Old Testament when God would sometimes uh, reference that, that he leads us beside the still waters and leads us to a place of, of abundance where the flock can feed. 
And as an elder in the church, I want you to know that my primary job as, a, as an overseer is to feed the flock of God and do that through the preaching of the word of God. My primary role in our church is to faithfully proclaim the word of God in this book. Paul told his disciple in ministry, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, I charge you, therefore, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove and rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. There are many important responsibilities that an elder has in the church, but there is none more important than feeding the flock of God. If you were to have a conversation with Leslie about and ask her the question, when is Robbie, Robbie the most grouchy? I can tell you what it is. There are sometimes that I have weeks that probably like you have where I feel like I'm not very productive. I'm working and working and working, but I'm not getting to the end of the task. In fact, Jonathan and I were talking about that recently with all that we've had going on. It's just not feeling like we're being as productive as we should be. But I'm really the grouchiest. I, I get grouchy when I'm not productive but I get really grouchy when I don't have enough time in the word of God. And the reason for that is very simple, that when I'm standing up on a Sunday morning, whether it's in front of a camera or doing it live to our congregation, I realize the weight of my responsibility as a shepherd is to faithfully preach the word of God. And in order to do that, I've got to have time with God and his word. And, and the reason I get so grouchy is because I feel like if I get up and I don't faithfully proclaim the, the word of God to my people, then I'm not feeding the people of God as I should. And that's one of my primary responsibilities is to feed the flock of God. In our church, one of the key areas that our elders take care of is the doctrine of the church. Whether we're doing it on a Sunday morning service and preaching or we're doing it Sunday evenings when we're gathering in person or it's through our small groups or through another venue, our job is to make sure that what is taught in our church is taught straight from the word of God. We're not here to teach you what the latest book says. My job is not to feed you what the media says or what culture says. My job is to faithfully proclaim the word of God and in doing that, to take my responsibility of feeding the flock of God seriously. Another responsibility the shepherd has is to protect the flock. So when Peter says to these elders to shepherd the flock of God, that means to feed the flock but it also means to protect the flock of God. And there are many things that can harm the sheep within a flock or within the fold. And the shepherd's job is to protect it. Out in the countryside in, in, um, in Israel, if you ever get a chance to go there and see the terrain, it's very rugged, very mountainous. But what would happen, and you can see the shepherds even there today, they will lead their sheep around to find places to eat. But when it, when it comes to evening time, they will many times build a shelter of some sort or a fence around their sheep. And oftentimes the shepherd would sleep at the opening of that pen. And that's why when Jesus said that he was the door of the sheep, those who would receive that word would have understood what it meant. But a shepherd's job, and the reason they would do that is they would sleep at the place where it would be, the sheep would be most vulnerable to attack from the outside. One of my favorite passages for pastors and one that I've often preached when I've been asked to preach at the charge service for someone being ordained into the ministry is Acts chapter 20. If you have an, an opportunity to read that passage, Paul knows that he's about to die, that he's going to Jerusalem and he may not see uh, these, these fellow elders again. And so he calls them together and he, he says something to them in Acts chapter 20. He says, 
Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And in that moment, you realize that as a pastor, it's God who places you in the church, who places you as an elder or an overseer. Yes, the congregation may have voted you in to be their pastor or elder, but it's ultimately God who places us in that position. And there's a tremendous weight for that in that. And Paul goes on to tell them to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Paul reminds those, uh, those elders from Ephesus. He tells them that sometimes the wolves will come from outside the flock. There, there will be wolves that will come from without. But he also warns them that sometimes there will be attacks in the flock from within. And the shepherd is to tend the flock, and that includes protecting the flock. Sometimes we have to protect the congregation from uh, with doctrinal purity and maybe someone that's trying to teach a false gospel. We have to make sure that the word of God is taught correctly within the flock of God. We have to sometimes protect the flock when there's disunity. When we hear that there are divisions, we have to do our job and that is to go to those who are hurt or those who are upset and seek reconciliation and try to fix the problem so that we can unite the church under the gospel. Sometimes our job is to protect the flock through discipline. At times, the scriptures lay out that there are some sins that are egregious and ones that the church must deal with. And so our job as elders is to make sure that the church remains pure and that it's a bride that is worthy of our Savior. And when members are hurting, we hurt with them. We care for them. We're there for them. The shepherd has the responsibility to protect the flock. We're called to shepherd the flock of God, and that means feeding the flock, but it also means protecting. But notice also in verse, five, uh, in verse two, we have the responsibility to exercise oversight. Pastors are called to lead their people. I've known guys in ministry who feel like their only role is to preach, and preaching, as I said earlier, it is our primary role. My primary job is to study the word of God and faithfully proclaim it to his people so that they know how to live and, and how to follow after Jesus Christ. And yes, that's my primary, my primary role, but it is not my only role. I'm a preacher of the word of God, but I'm also a pastor. A pastor's job is not to just stand up each week and give information and preach sermons. The word bishop that you find in the word of God, and it's translated here as elder, it means an overseer, one who oversees or looks over for the purpose of leading. Churches need pastors who will faithfully preach the word of God, but they also need pastors who are willing to lead. But I think there's an interesting component to this. There's, a, there's this, what I call a sacred trust, the relationship between elders and their congregation. And I love the way Warren Wiersbe describes this in his commentary in this passage. He says, as an overseer, the pastor is both among the people and over the people. And what he means by that, he says, as a member of the church, you are among the members of the church. So at Village Park, I am a member of the body of Christ. So when families join our church, I always tell them that we are in covenant with each other. I'm a member of Village Park, and I just happen to be uh, one of the elders at our congregation that God has placed me in to oversee the affairs of the church. And so because I'm among the members, when our members hurt, I hurt. 
because I'm a part of this body of Christ. But as an elder of the church, I also have the responsibility from God to be over the church, to lead the church as an overseer. And to quote from Warren Wiersbe, he said this, the pastor, he must be among his people so that he can get to know them, their needs and their problems. And he needs to be over his people so he can lead them and help them solve their problems. The preacher needs to be a pastor so he can apply the word to the needs of people. And the pastor needs to be a preacher so that he can have authority when he shares in their daily needs and problems. The pastor is not a religious lecturer who weekly passes along information about the Bible. He is a shepherd who knows his people and seeks to help them through the word. There's a sacred trust that I have with Village Park Church and that our other elders have with our church. And as leaders of the church, I'll be honest, there are inherent dangers to the position that God places us in as elders or overseers. There's an inherent danger because as an elder, you are a person of influence. When you preach the word of God and proclaim it, you have a certain measure of influence over people. There's the position of an elder, that you're an overseer of the flock of God. That yes, you're a member of the church, but God has set you aside for a special purpose. And in those two things, you can see how pride can easily well up in the heart of an elder or a pastor. There are dangers to being an elder. And because of this, the heart of an elder must be guarded. And the heart of the pastor must be in the right place to lead his congregation well. Notice in verse 2 that one of, the, one of the attitudes that an elder should have is an attitude of willingness. He says in the middle of that verse, not under compulsion. We should exercise authority, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Under compulsion means to be forced to do something. I read the story of a mom who came into her son's room on a Sunday morning, flipped on the lights and said, wake up, son, it's, get out of bed and uh, it's time to get up. And with his face buried, he said, give me three good reasons to get out of bed. And the first reason she said was, well, it's Sunday and we're Christians and we go to church. And that frustrated him even more and he buried his face even more in his pillow. And then she said, the second reason is church starts in 40 minutes and you haven't even taken a shower yet. And he got frustrated saying he didn't want to go. And he said, well, what's the third reason? And she said, well, you're the pastor. And that's what compulsion looks like, is when a pastor doesn't want to do the work of ministry. But Peter says that pastors should exercise authority in the church and exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. Pastors must be willing servants. At the end of verse 2, we find another attitude. Peter writes that they shouldn't exercise authority or oversight, uh, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. One of the qualifications that we find in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 3 is that pastors cannot be a lover of money. Money must never be the motivation behind why a pastor does what he does. Reaching the hearts of people and training them to follow Christ with their lives. That must be what motivates us. You probably know some stories or have seen it, uh, maybe some things that we see on TV where pastors will manipulate people and they will constantly talk about giving money. And you see as more and more money pours into the church, the pastor's lifestyle gets better and better. And that's not the way that it should be in the body of Christ. Pastors are not to serve for shameful gain, but eagerly wanting to do it. 
And I don't know exactly where the line is drawn between a pastor making an honest and good living and something that's shameful, but I think that part of that line would be if the pastor's desire in ministry is just to get more promotions and more money, then there's something wrong with the heart of that pastor. Elders are to, uh, to serve their churches, not out of compulsion, but willingly, and not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And notice in verse 3, I want to read this verse again. Pastors should have the attitude of servant leaders. In verse 3, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock of God. In most churches, there's kind of a hierarchy, a leadership structure. And most churches would say Jesus is the head, but most churches are structured like this. Jesus is the head, and then under him is the pastor or pastors, and then you have a board, usually of deacons, sometimes of elders, and then you have the people. But at Village Park, we would say that Jesus is the head of the church, and elders are placed as overseers of the church that were to exercise oversight in the church, but we don't stand above the people lording over them. We stand under the people with our arms lifted up in order to serve them. We, as Peter said, are to set the example to the flock of God of what it means to serve other people. We are to lead as servants. I've been in ministry for a long time and I've been on staff before when I wasn't serving as a lead pastor. And I've heard guys who are serving in pastoral ministry say, well, this is not in my job description. And I would think to myself, like our job description is to serve Jesus and to shepherd our people well and to be an example. So if the toilets at the church need to be clean, that's what you do. If someone needs to be visited in the hospital and the person who's normally over that is out of town, then you do whatever it takes in order to serve the needs of the people because we have to set the example of how we are to live and to serve other people. And in verse four, we find what I think is the weightiest of all the teaching. Peter says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Pastors are ultimately accountable to God for what's been entrusted to them. The flock, the church, is the elder's responsibility, but the flock, the church, belongs to God. Village, in Village Park Church, I'm a shepherd. My job is to tend the flock and to feed the flock, to protect the flock and to serve the flock. But Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's the one that we are looking to. In John chapter 10 and verse 11, Jesus told his disciples, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Jesus is the example for every shepherd, for every elder, for every pastor on how they are to live their lives for the flock and to take care of them. Jesus, as Peter said, was willing. In John chapter 10 and verse 18, he said that no one takes his life but I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus was the example of what it meant to serve the needs of others willingly, not out of compulsion. Jesus was the example of serving out of eagerness and not for money. He, he said in Luke chapter nine, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus was never a rich man. He was never wealthy. He didn't have all the best and the greatest things. He didn't have a ton of money, but he was a servant. And he is our example as elders of how we serve. And he was a servant leader. If you remember at the last supper that in his final moments with his disciples, Jesus got up from the table and he washed the feet of his disciples. And he said to them, if I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example 
that you should also do just as I have done to you. So in 1 Peter chapter 5, we find a window into the heart of what it means to be a pastor. And I have to tell you that I have a commitment. We have a commitment in our church as elders that we exist to lead people to find and follow Jesus. That's our mission statement. In fact, I want you to write out that mission statement because we need to be reminded of this, that we exist to lead people to find and to follow Jesus. And in doing that, we realize that it's not about us. It's not about people thinking that Robbie's a great pastor. It's really ultimately about leading people to find Jesus and to follow him with their lives. And I have to tell you that I want to shepherd you well as the pastor of this church. I don't always do it. I don't always hit the mark. But my desire is to follow Jesus with my life and to set an example for you to follow after him because that's what Jesus calls us to do, to be an example to the flock of God. And in this window into the heart of pastors, you'll also see that there needs to be a commitment of the members that we are committed to lead people to find and follow Jesus. And that's what God has led our church to be. That's our vision statement. And, and you are to commit to that as members of the church to lead people to find and follow Jesus. And just like the elders have to say, this is not about me. That's what you have to say in your own heart. It's not about me. In fact, I want us to just all write that in the comments as a confession and just write out the words. It's not about me but it's really ultimately about other people. And so I want to encourage you today. I want, I want to ask you to do something today. The Lord has really spoken to my heart this, this week about my responsibility as a pastor to shepherd this flock well. But will you make a commitment today? Really two commitments I want to ask you to make. The first one is to pray faithfully for your pastors. Pray for the elders of Village Park Church. And if you're watching this and you're a member of another church, you need to pray for the pastors of your congregation. Remember about your elders that we are among you. We are members of this body of Christ. And, and when you bleed, we bleed. When you hurt, we hurt. But even though we are among you, at the same time, we are called by God to lead you as pastors of this flock. And there's nothing in us that is, is worthy of that. It's only because of the grace and mercy of Jesus. So pray for your pastors. And the second thing I would ask you to do is pray that God will lead you, that God will lead you to lead people to find and follow Jesus, that you will humble yourselves under the hand of God and say, God, if this is what our church is about, if this is what you've laid on the hearts of our elders to lead people to find Jesus and follow him, then God, make me a part of that vision. Make me a humble servant of God. And we'll stop there this morning. And tonight, when we gather together in person, we're going to continue in 1 Peter chapter 5. So I want to encourage you to tune in at 6 o'clock tonight for our worship service or to come in person if you're able. Because we're going to talk about humility. And we're going to spend some time as a church praying that God will humble us under his hand so that we can be effective in, the message, in spreading the message of the gospel and leading people to find and follow Jesus. I'd like to just pray and close our time of study and then talk to you a little bit about tonight before we go today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and your goodness. And I pray that as the shepherd of this church, as the under shepherd of the, the chief and great shepherd, Lord, that you would help me and help Charles to faithfully carry out the responsibility that you've given to us as shepherds of your church. Help us to lead well 
to feed the flock of God and be faithful to proclaim the word of God, to protect the flock, to make sure that we do all that we can to make sure the wolves don't enter in and in some way bring destruction to the lives of people and help us to serve well. Help us to look to Jesus as the example of what it means to serve other people. So help us, Lord, to serve. Give us the strength that we need and the wisdom that we need to serve well. And I pray for our congregation, that, Lord, when we fail as leaders, when we don't lead as well as we should, that, Lord, your grace would fill in the gaps, that there would be grace extended and mercy, that you would unite us, Lord, as you have, that you would continue to unite us as your body under the vision of leading people to find and follow Jesus. So I pray for all of us, God, that you would unite our hearts under that vision to disciple people, to lead them to Christ, and then lead them to follow him with their lives. And we'll pray this to be done in Jesus' name. Amen.